Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 12, getting close to the end of 2019. Unbelievable how how time flies, and uh, before you know it, this NHL season is going to hit the midpoint here in a, in a couple of weeks, and uh, you know, and then you really, once you get past that all-star break at the end of... Uh, the end of January, you're really into the playoff push. But um, again, welcome to the show. Uh, we're going to hear from Lou Lamarillo on some doings within the Islanders. And then later on the show, um, after uh, Andrew's answers on Q&A, we're going to talk to a Newsday colleague, Julia El Baba, um, who was out at the Coliseum. And she's going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, social media and the Islanders and uh, uh, maybe mix in some tennis as well since she's a uh, pro tennis player but uh for now and and i am your host andrew gross uh, lest i forget about that uh, you can find me on twitter at a gross newsday and thank you so much for tuning in we're going to start with the news of the day and it's it's a two-fold one that uh seems to be tied in although uh lou lamarillo said that was not the case but Josh Hosang is back. He's going to be back in a uh, Bridgeport Sound Tigers uniform, or at least uh, a practice one, as he is rejoining the Islanders' AHL affiliate um, on Tuesday, today, for practice. Uh, The Sound Tigers have a game on Wednesday. I I, I don't know whether Josh goes right back into the lineup, but you know the backstory here. You've certainly asked plenty of questions about Josh Hosang, and uh, here's a little bit of clarity. He's been working out on his own uh, in Toronto since the end of training camp. And as you remember, he did not make the Islanders roster out of training camp. And at that point, he and his representation went to Lou Lamarillo and requested a trade. And Lou said he would try and grant that request. But in the meantime, he requested or directed Josh Hosang not to report to Bridgeport, didn't want Josh around the team while he was trying to work out a trade. Um, That was in early October, and we're now here in the middle of December, and uh, Lou Lamarillo said that Josh Hosang, who uh, put up kind of a cryptic uh, message on his Instagram account uh, the other night saying, you know, basically it was time to play hockey again. Um, Josh Hosang, uh, according to Lou Lamarillo, got in touch with the organization and requested that he be allowed to come back and practice with Bridgeport and, uh, you know, be a part of that team. And uh, Chris Lamarillo, who is Lou's son and who uh, basically runs the Bridgeport uh, side of the operations with the Islanders, Chris Lamarillo and uh, Bridgeport coach uh, Brent Thompson uh, decided that it would be okay for Josh Hosang to come back. And so now you have uh, this mercurial right wing with the unbelievable offensive gifts uh, back in the fold, but whether that ever still turns into an NHL career with the Islanders, that's that's something that is still to be seen, uh, still unclear. Uh, Josh Hosang on a one-year deal here, and uh, you know it may well be that Lou is still looking for uh, deals for Josh, and you know Josh understands that the best way to get 
dealt is maybe to play well and uh, see if other organizations will take a flyer on him. But that that's just speculation at this point. As you'll hear Lou say, clean slate, and Josh Hosang will be given a chance to play his way back into the organization's good graces. And, uh, you know, uh, asked about it today, uh, Barry Trotz also said that, you know, Josh has been away for a long time and, uh, you know, he would have to see some results before uh, Josh becomes a candidate for the Islanders roster. But, you know, small steps. Uh, Let's see him get back into a Bridgeport uh, uniform and get into a game in the AHL. And meanwhile, as Josh Hosang returns to uh, Bridgeport, the Islanders announced that they are going to loan Oliver Wallstrom, the uh, 11th overall pick in 2018, a big right wing, big forward. Uh, They're going to loan Oliver Wallstrom to Team USA for the upcoming World Junior Championships in the Czech Republic. Uh, There had been a lot of speculation as to who or how many players uh, Lou Lamarillo might grant permission to go to the World Juniors. And Lou said today that uh, Wallstrom was the only one who, uh, you know, the various nations had uh, inquired about. And uh, Noah Dobson, who is on the NHL roster, uh, is not going to be loaned to Team Canada. Um, Lou said, as you'll hear, just too much of a risk in that uh, regarding the NHL roster, which is Lou's first priority. However, Oliver Wallstrom, they think uh, he's going to benefit by going back to the World Juniors, and they, they do have you know, they have a surplus of players. I think Barry estimated they got 30 players down in Bridgeport. So uh, he was not coming up to the NHL in any time over the next three weeks, apparently. So Oliver Wallstrom goes to Team USA for the upcoming World Juniors. And uh, as I said, here is Lou Lamarillo talking about the Wallstrom and Hosang situations. And also uh, at the end, he's asked about the fact that uh, Tuesday's game against the Predators marks his 2,500th game as an NHL GM. And that is third most all-time uh, on the uh, in the league's history. If he weren't in the NHL, uh, it was our decision, similar to what Dobson, it was basically our intention that uh, we would get him to the World Juniors uh, because of his circumstances, but because of the way he's played and also with the injury that uh, came about with Letty, we cannot take a chance. Uh, so Dobson will not be going, uh, but Wallstrom, we think it would be good for him. We think it would be good to get on that stage and you know, play against people his own age. That'll, that'll be the only loan uh, from Bridgeport and none of the other... The, that's the only one that was asked. Okay. And uh, with Josh Hosang coming back, did that play into the, the, the decision to, to send Oliver over that you know Josh was coming back, or was there anything that changed with Josh? No, the timing, that's all that was. Uh, uh, Josh reached out to uh, Chris uh, Lamorello, and they had a conversation, uh, you know, and Chris made the decision to, uh, you know, bring him back, uh, and as Chris and the coach did, uh, so we'll see. You, you hear clean slate a lot. I mean, is there anything lingering from Josh not being around since training camp? No, not for me. Uh, you know, not from him, to the best of my knowledge. Uh, he just has to go there and, uh, you know, do what he has to do as a player. 
and conform to the environment, uh, and there'll be no issues. I mean, that being said, if, if he meets those requirements, what, what can be expected of him in terms of development and, you know, from what you saw in training camp in terms of him getting to the NHL? It's a difficult question to answer because he was the last cut going down, uh, you know, to the uh, American League. So he did have a good training camp. But where he's at uh, right now physically and mentally, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, but uh, from our end of it, he'll have a clean slate. Uh, and, you know, it's in his hands. Anything on this? Yeah, there's one thing. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, this is your 2500th. Uh, game as a general manager, does that mean anything to you? <laughs> First of all, I'm not aware. Secondly, it means nothing unless we win. Outside of the Islanders' uh, bubble, uh, there was news in the NHL this week uh, on, on Monday as the Devils finally uh, pulled the trigger on a deal sending away their Hart Trophy winner from uh, uh, two seasons ago, Taylor Hall who was coming up to unrestricted free agency, had been uh, healthy, scratched, held, held out of a couple of games as Devils GM Ray Shiro looked for a trade or honed in on a trade. So Taylor Hall goes out to the Arizona Coyotes, and, and you kind of had the feeling that uh, the Devils, who are very, uh, you know, very conscientious about the PR and the marketing aspect of everything. I, I didn't think they were going to uh, necessarily deal Taylor Hall to an Eastern Conference team or specifically the Islanders, which is where this is going. Because I, I know a lot of Islander fans were uh, hoping, wondering whether Taylor Hall might be a fit and whether Lou might pull uh, the trigger on a trade there. Um, and, and, and it certainly seems like Taylor Hall is going to be a rental, you know, I think he is headed towards July 1st and getting onto the open market. I think that is his end game right now, although he could find that he loves it in Arizona and he's got a good roster there and a, a chance to do some real damage in the playoffs with the uh, roster the Coyotes um, have assembled. But from an Islanders standpoint, let's look at this and wonder you know, whether whether Taylor Hall, whether Lou had the pieces to, you know, to top the Coyotes uh, offer. And, and to be fair, uh, it seems like you, you would have thought that maybe Ray could have gotten a little bit more back uh, for a guy of Taylor Hall's ilk. He winds up getting a conditional 2020 first round pick that is top three lottery protected so if somehow the coyotes slide um they're not getting a top three pick in the lottery for taylor hall that would slide to 2021 uh it's a conditional third round pick and that um you know the conditions there are on whether taylor resigns in arizona or how far the Coyotes go in the playoffs. I believe the the conditional third round can become a uh, second round pick, and, and then they get um, three uh, three prospects basically: uh, centers Nate Schnarr and Nick Merkley, and uh, a juniors defenseman uh, Kevin Ball. And uh, it, it certainly seems like the the junior defenseman, who I believe is six foot seven, is kind of the the top prospect amongst the three. 
But you know what? Um, it, it, there's no guarantee that any of those three are ever going to be anywhere close to the, the kind of player that Taylor Hall is. So, uh, you know, not that many players are, but, you know, could Ray have... Uh, held out and tried to get more. He, in a, in a, you know, in his press conference, he said he thought he needed to strike now uh, before teams fell out of the playoff hunt, and he could get his best value now. Now, I, I, I do think, you know, first of all, the Coyotes protected, I think, their best three prospects in the organization. Uh, so good on them. Uh, you know, if Lou had really been in it, and we'll never know, or we probably won't know how deep into negotiations or trade talks or how far anything got between Lou and Ray Shiro. But you, you, you have to think that Lou had some better assets than what the Devils wound up getting. It was just a matter of how far he wanted to go. Now, I mentioned on the episode last week that um, Ray's first ask would most likely be Noah Dobson, and I thought that was a, a no-go. And then after that, you probably go down to a Bodie Wild. Um, the aforementioned Oliver Wallstrom probably would have come up uh, in an ask uh, by the Devils, and, and certainly picks. Um, but my, my my point is, if Lou had really, really, really wanted Taylor Hall, he could have probably put together a better offer than the Coyotes made. But I, I think uh, on a rental, Lou is not willing to give up the farm for a player who, you know, really is only going to be here through July. Um, and, you know, and, and then Taylor Hall, he's 28 right now. He's got a history of some knee problems. He's probably looking, I, I would think, a minimum of a, a seven-year, $70 million deal. And the Islanders have some big contracts they're going to have to pay. Uh, you know, we've talked about Matthew Barzell coming up. And, you know, I think he's going to look to make uh, double digits in terms of uh, annual average value uh, in terms of, you know, $10 million and up. And, uh, you know, Ryan Pulak's up for a deal. And, uh, 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 you know, top pair defensemen, those, those go for around $6 million a year. Devon Tays might be at four and a half, five million. Um, you know, uh, you're going to have to either pay Thomas Grice or pay another goalie. So there's money to be doled out. And, and I, I didn't see Taylor Hall at $10 million a year being able to be squeezed in. But, you know, so Taylor Hall goes to the Coyotes. And I do think that it now opens up the trade market a little bit. Uh, a little bit. Uh, Chris Kreider may be the next to go from the Rangers. You know, I, I do think I had said that, you know, the league was kind of waiting on Taylor Hall to be traded. Now he's been traded and I think you're gonna you know probably see a few more deals coming down the pike uh as now that this deal is done so we'll be right back after this message Enter the Octagon for a special edition of Newsday Live with MMA fighters Chris Weidman, Matt Serra, and Aljamain Sterling. Tuesday, January 14th at 6.30. Newsday subscribers save 50%. Tickets now available at newsday.com slash MMA live. Thomas Grice is, is starting 
on Tuesday night against the Predators. So that makes 32 straight games to start the season. Barry Trotz has uh, has rotated his goalies. I asked him after Saturday at this point what it would take for him to actually snap that rotation. And, uh, you know, he didn't give a definitive answer, but basically he says the players always dictate the lineup. So... You know, if if one guy is, you know, head and shoulders above the other, he's going to get back-to-back games at this point. Except Barry keeps rolling, you know, Greiser and Semyon Varlamov out there, and each one is basically playing as well as the other. So Barry does not see any... any point in uh in breaking the streak here and and both goalies are benefiting from some pretty good defense that the team's playing and and going into the nashville game i'll just go over the last seven and this is since uh, november 30th they had a two nothing win uh against the blue jackets varlamov gets the shutout there um 4-1 win in detroit a clunker up in montreal 4-2 loss there uh that's the most goals they've given up in the seven game stretch then they beat vegas 3-2 that was a really solid win uh 3-1 loss at dallas where the stars score twice on the power play and then coming into the predator game you you got a 5-1 win at tampa bay and uh you know what I'm forgetting the uh, the Panther game. So this is really a uh, eight game stretch here. But they uh, they also have the three uh, two win I believe down in uh, down in Florida. So and, and then you come back and you beat the Sabers three to one. And uh, nope, uh, that I'm sorry, that was a uh, a three one win in Florida. I got my notes all mixed up here. Three one win over Florida, of course, and a three two win uh, over the Sabers on Saturday. Forgive me for uh, mixing up uh, my notes here. The point being that the the, the Islanders, except for that you know uh, game where they give up two power play goals and a clunker in Montreal, they're they're limiting teams to two or one goals with regularity here and they're really uh keeping uh, the dangerous opportunities they may get outshot but they're they're keeping their dangerous opportunities to the outside and that that just benefits obviously the goalies and uh as i said uh my friend dennis gorman um who uh who writes uh, for newsday as well was in the uh dressing room uh after practice on monday and he caught up with thomas grice to talk about thomas's game and the islanders defense it's uh might give up a good amount of shots at times or like more shots but you know we uh, take the middle away and don't give them rush chance, like these high percentage shots, you cut those way down and you know, it's uh, successful, you know, get more chances to the other team and win hockey games. Especially it's more predictable for us, you know, there's less uh, opportunities or less options for players to pass. You know, either just has a shot or maybe one pass and stuff, a few options and makes it tough to read and you know, they cut those uh, opportunities way down so it makes it all that easier. Bit of lineup news for the Islanders. Uh, Michael Dalcal, who scored his second goal of the season uh, on Saturday against the uh, the Sabers, and immediately, almost immediately, exited the game with an upper body injury. He is missing the Predators game. He is day to day with an upper body injury. He uh, skated on his own on Tuesday. Uh, Barry Trotz does not seem to think this is going to be a long-term absence. Um, Leo Komarov 
into the lineup uh, after being a healthy scratch for three games. Uh, you also have Nick Letty coming back into the lineup, and uh, you know it, that's going to be a boost to the team. I know Noah Dobson uh, played fairly well in, in the three games he was in, but his ice time was not huge. This will allow Barry to uh, kind of even out the playing time amongst the defensemen a little bit more. So Nick Letty back, Dalcal injured, Tom Kuhnhockel, uh, is also going to be back in the forward mix. He's back on from a conditioning assignment in Bridgeport. Uh, he'll probably get a practice or two in here with the Islanders and then be considered for a game. And then uh, you have Matthew Barzell as well, who, uh, you know, uh, a lot was written about uh, that roughing penalty he took uh, against Darlene uh, at the end of the uh, third period that allowed the Sabres to score power play goals while skating six on four with Olmark pulled for an extra skater. So you know, as the Islanders are nursing a uh, 2-1 lead, um, you know, uh, Barzell goes into the offensive zone and gets engaged with Darlene. And uh, Barry Trotz had a few harsh words to say uh, about Matthew's uh, decision making there. I, I asked Matthew about it uh, today after the morning skate, and he basically honed up and said, Yeah, you know what? That, that's a bad penalty on me. I can't be doing that. But that's pretty much all he was willing to say about that and uh, he considers it a matter closed and a lesson learned and we'll see in the future you know whether or not Matthew Barzell takes another penalty like that because uh, Barry Trotz certainly uh, threatened ice time if he if he ever saw anything like that again either from Barzell or from any of the other players but uh, Barzell you know other than that he's been playing really well he's got 13 goals 14 assists in 31 games uh, this season he is continuing. It's not been a, a little brief thing here. He is continuing to shoot. He's continuing to uh, score goals, leading the team in goals. And, and as we've discussed, Matthew Barzell always considers himself a playmaker more than a goal scorer. But it, it's good to see him looking to shoot on net and to be rewarded for that. And again, Dennis Gorman catches up with Matthew Barzell in the Islanders' dressing room. So the one thing I kind of focused on or really wanted to improve was my, my goal-scoring shot. Yeah. What was that? Um, because goals uh, are valued in this league really high, and goals, I've never really been a goal-scorer in my career, so I really wanted to add another weapon to my if you can have a shot threat and, and a pass threat, I think you, you become pretty dangerous. So thank you to Dennis for collecting that sound uh, for Island Ice. And after this uh, next message, we will be back with Andrew's Answers. Enter for a chance to watch the New York Islanders hit the ice with a complete VIP experience. The grand prize includes a private luxury suite for 16 guests, a jersey signed by the Islanders, and $1,000 for food and drinks. Enter by Sunday, December 29, 2019 at Newsday.com slash ILSVIP. All right, and out of a commercial and right into some theme music, which can mean only one thing. It's time for Andrew's Answers. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. And again, thank you everyone for uh, answering the call on Twitter and supplying me with uh, with a real 
ton of questions this week. I think this one set the record. I think I, I saw the uh, Twitter reply uh, counter at 35 or 36. So uh, I'm going to try and get through these. There's some, uh, there's some duplication, I believe. So uh, if I've answered your question, uh, please understand that I've uh, answered your question. We'll uh, get right to it. Uh, with old friend, old school Mountie, who asks, what is Dalkal's status? And do the Islanders rotate Komarov and Kunhakel into that spot? And uh, yeah, I, I can't give you an exact on uh, Michael Dalkal's status after he exited uh, Saturday afternoon's game after scoring his second goal of the season in the first period. Upper body injury did not practice um, prior to the game against the Predators. Um, so uh, we'll just have to see whether this is a day-to-day -day or a week-to-week -week thing. And uh, a shame for Michael because he, he was, you know, he did score that goal. And uh, I thought he played a, a, a couple of, you know, pretty decent games. And I know Barry Trotz, uh, you know, has liked his game. Again, you know, calling him a legit NHL player. Covered that in my Sunday Insider if you want to go back and read that. But yeah, I, I do think the, uh, you know, between Komarov and Kuhnhockel... You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Tom Kuhnhockel gets that first crack back in the lineup after a conditioning stint at Bridgeport. We'll see. Those are the two candidates right now on the roster. Cordup um, says the Islanders, for some reason, do not like showing replays on the scoreboard anymore, while other teams like New Jersey have them ready to go in a second. Not to brag, but I do go back to about 60 games this, each season, uh, so you're on the road a little bit since uh, there are only 41 at home. Uh, should the NHL mandate that teams show replays on the scoreboard? Well, I, I, I think that's uh, that, that's more of a uh, uh, game operations, game ops uh, uh, issue, I believe, as to what can or cannot be available on the scoreboard and how quickly it can be. To be honest, uh, in the press box, we have the luxury of TV screens, so I'm often not looking at the scoreboard, not keeping as close attention to what they are and are not showing. Um, should the NHL mandate that teams show replays on the scoreboard? Um, to a certain extent, yeah, but I, I think what the NHL wants to stay away from is, you know, in, <laughs> you know oftentimes the home crowd is incited, um, when when there are calls that seem to go against the home team and uh and then there are some calls you know replays not being shown but i i would say that yes uh, for for goals or or for good saves or you know even a, a, you know maybe sometimes decent hits uh i think the nhl should you know i don't think mandates the right word but i, I do think they should maybe push their teams to uh you know get some uh, replays up for the fans because that's, you know, kind of what our society expects now. The, if the Islanders are not showing replays like that, and I guess I'll have to keep a, a better eye out, you know, yeah, maybe there, there should be a, a few more there. Uh, John asked, do you think Bellows will get a look if he keeps this play up? I know Kuhnhockel is set to come back shortly, so I'm guessing he'll get first crack or Leo Komarov in the lineup. Um, but they may want to try to see what they have in Bellows. And, um, 
Yeah, there's been some interest in Kiefer Bellows because uh, he seems to have uh, turned a little bit of a corner here, particularly in terms of scoring goals, which he's been doing at a really good rate down in Bridgeport. You know, this is how it works. If you show yourself in Bridgeport, the, the, the big club considers you. So if he keeps this up, there's no reason why the Islanders would not consider giving Bellows a crack. He certainly, you know, had the development time down in Bridgeport, and uh, this would, if this is the next stage in his development, then yeah, I would think uh, eventually he would get a crack at it to see if he can translate that to the NHL, because the NHL team does need to know that. Doc Ed says, we didn't get to see any post-game comments from Barzell after his silly penalty late in the Sabres game. Uh, this was in on Saturday. Was he in hiding? Being protected? Thanks. And no, you know, it's funny. I had at least two editors after they read my game story on Saturday saying, hey, we need Barzell quotes in here. And I, I replied similarly to both editors, which was, if I had Matthew Barzell quotes, I would provide them in the game story. And uh, I did not see him in the room. Obviously, he was... Uh, he did not feel like talking after the game, you know, but I, I don't want to say he's being protected. Uh, I, I don't know if anyone requested to talk to Matthew Barzell. I know it's kind of a scramble in the postgame dressing room. Um, you know, you're, you're getting what you can, and sometimes you just don't think straight. And to be honest, uh, you know, I didn't see Barzy in there, and I, I just plain forgot to ask the PR staff whether Barzell would talk. And you know, if I had requested, you know, usually they're good about bringing players out, but Barzi may have just been, you know, a little too peeved at that point to uh, present himself well. So, you know, as you heard uh, in the opening segment, uh, Dennis Gorman did speak to him a little bit, uh, although not about that penalty. Uh, Barry Trotz has certainly said that they've put it behind him. Um, but he does expect Matthew Barcel to learn from this and never, ever do it again. And, and Barry also was very clear that he doesn't expect any of his players to take a, you know, just make it a, a personal vendetta that late in the game, nursing a one-goal lead, or, or ever. You know, you can't put yourself above the team, and, and that's what Barzi did there. Um, but we'll, we'll see how much of a learning lesson it, it is. And I, I agree with you. It would have been great to get post-game comments, you know, from Barzell for him to be accountable in that moment. But, you know, that's also on the media. Uh, that's also on me for not, uh, demanding that he be in the room. So, uh, we'll see, you know, if that happens again, what happens next? Let's see. Adam Papadula, Dulius, I believe. Is there any chance we could get any info on addressing the scoring issues with the team 0-3 on the power play versus the Sabres, which is unacceptable? We all know how close to the cuff Lou Lamarillo keeps his info, but there has to be interest out there for players. And, and look, yes, Lou Lamarillo is not a stranger to his cell phone. He is on his cell phone. He's talking to other general managers around the league. That's what good GMs do. Um, and then it's up to him to decide whether the price is right. And obviously, you know, he, he has not seen it that way for, for a bit here. As far as addressing the scoring issues, you know, uh, uh, the, the Islanders are scoring a little bit. Uh, certainly, with the, if they can get to three points, uh, three goals, uh, what are they, 18-0-1 this season, 19-0-1? I've sort of lost count. But, uh, you know, three is the magic number. So 
I, I, I do agree that the team needs probably a little bit more scoring, uh, certainly come playoff time. Um, does that come from uh, Jordan Lee? Uh, Jordan Lee. Jordan Everly. Forgive me there, both of you guys. Um, you know, I think that's the first option right now where they're, where they're looking to see if uh, Jordan can, you know, who's been a streaky goal scorer throughout his career, whether he can get on that, that hot streak right now. Johnny Wax says the Isles are obviously known for being reserved on the trade front, but with core guys like Lee, Nelson, Bailey, Everly getting older, and with the amazing season the Islanders are having, should Lou go for it? Feels like he catch 22 sets, since that's also the reason to hoard prospects. And I, I agree with you that I think Lou is going to feel this is the group he can go for it with. Then it, it, it comes down to, does Lou feel changing the chemistry is going to be a positive or a negative. And last season, he thought it was going to be a negative. And for the most part, over the offseason, he thought that would be a negative as well. Just a matter of how Lou judges that. But I, I really do feel, and you know, knowing Lou with his time with the Devils, you know, I, I get a sense that he knows what he has in this team and what the potential is. And I think Barry knows what the... Uh, potential is too. I mean, I, I do think they, they need a little bit more scoring. It's just a matter of whether, you know, that comes from a trade or, or whether, you know, a Bellows or a Wallstrom or, you know, someone comes up from Bridgeport to supply it or, or you know, or, or they feel they have what they need on the roster. Michael Minucci says, do you believe the Islanders have the assets to outbid other teams for JG Pajot also does a reliable veteran third-line center need to be addressed outside the organization. Well, right now, uh, Derek Broussard is the third-line center. I think they're happy with him. Um, they're happy with him on the team. And, you know, we, again, we've, we've gone over this in previous episodes that, you know, he was... <laughs> is he more effective as a, uh, you know, second-line right winger as a third-line center? Uh, you know... His line with Anders Lee and Jordan Everly has been clicking of late. And, you know, I guess technically that's the third line because the Brock Nelson-Anthony Beauvillier pairing, that tends to be the second line. But really it's, you know, 2A, 3A, you know, 2B. You know, it, 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 they really get equal playing time. So, you know, it's, it's one or the other. Do, do I believe the Islanders have the assets to outbid other teams for J.G. Pajot? The Islanders have some really good assets available, both in Bridgeport and possibly on the uh, NHL roster. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, how, how deep Lou wants to dig into that pocket. Um, J.G. Peugeot is a really good player. I think he would fit in here very nicely. He would also come at a very high cost. And, uh, you know, does Lou want to uh, part with those draft draft picks, prospects? And, and I think the Senators are in a spot now where they'd also look for someone on the NHL roster because they're they're playing a lot better, uh, you know, than, than people would have thought they would this year. Um Let's see, Jay Mersch says, now that we are in our second year under Mitch Korn's goalie system, what do you see different in how the goalies are worked with? As in, what do Pierre Greco and Korn do differently than the previous re regime? So far, they have taken two struggling goalies, uh, Leonard and Varlamov, and changed them. Um, I'll be honest, I, <laughs> I did not get to see exactly what Freddie Brathwaite 
uh, how he worked with the goalies under Doug Waite. So I can't really answer, you know, what Mitch and Piero are doing differently. I, I, I do know, having talked to, you know, Greiser and uh, Varlamov and, and Robin last season, that, you know, Mitch and Piero, it, it's a real combination of, uh, you know, video work and also, you know, with both Varlamov and... and uh, and and Robin, you know, changing something fundamentally. Uh, Varlamov talked about the footwork, you know, early in the season, you know, getting used to uh, different footwork, and and that he was trying to adapt to that. And uh, Robin Leonard talked last year. It was about you know holding his glove at a different angle um, and addressing that and and having to make that feel natural. So I think. Both Mitch and, and Piero are very adept at, at studying the goalies and making these subtle little adjustments that make a huge difference. And, and obviously, building their confidence up, getting them to trust uh, the defense in front of them. Um, so, I, you know, it, there's a lot of technicalities with what those two do. Um, but it, it's a lot of video work. And they're both, you know, Mitch and... and <laughs> and Piero are both incredibly upbeat, friendly people. And, and I think what the two of them have in common and why they work so well together and why they're able to really, you know, work so well with the, you know, be it a Robin Leonard or Thomas Grice or a Varlamov or, you know, any of the goalies in the system is they have incredible communication skills. They, you know, they, they make things very black and white for the goalies and uh, there's no, the goalies don't really have questions about what they're being asked to do. And, you know, I've been around, you know, I, I would think, you know, with the Rangers, certainly Benoit Lair is one of the the best goalie coaches in the business. And, and Benny had the same quality, uh, you know, with Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, the two of them just communicated so well. And, and Benny, you know, uh, got Henrik to trust him. Um, and, and I know the goalies certainly trust Mitch Korn and Piero Greco. And, and like I said, the communication, it's two-way avenue, very, very open. And I think that's a big part of it. See, N, and <laughs> N says, my question is, why, if you were doing a podcast, would you speak in a monotone the, the entire time? I was showering while listening and almost fell asleep while standing. The last part of your last podcast, you began injecting personality and your voice, therefore, changed in tone. Well, thank you for the, uh, for the podcast lessons, and I mean that sincerely. I don't try and speak in a monotone. Um, this, this is me speaking. <laughs> it's funny. I remember being, yeah, the, the reason I can't sing is I'm, I'm completely tone deaf. And when I sing, it just comes out as one flat register. So, I mean, the, the complaint is not out of left field. And I remember being in a, uh, a club in Chicago, uh, with, uh, Steve Zappé, who used to cover the, uh, the, the Rangers for Newsday. And there was a, you know, old blues singer up on stage doing a great show. And at some point in the show, he came out into the audience with his microphone and he was sticking it into different people's faces um, to get them to sing the chorus. And, and Zip started laughing as he saw this guy coming to me because Zip knew how awful I was as a singer. But, you know, hey, you know, I'm, I'm also a hammer. 
I'm not afraid of, you know, making a fool of myself, <laughs> as you guys have probably figured out. And this guy sticks the microphone in me, and I tried my darndest. I mean, I really tried to sing. I tried to hit a note. I, I tried to have some inflection in my voice, and it came out like, you know, just a straight line. And, like, it was, the whole club stopped, and, and the singer looked at me, and he actually went, ooh, like, as in, ooh, that's, that's really, really awful, and I'm really sorry I put this microphone in front of your face, so, but, uh, <laughs> I will try not to speak in a monotone, maybe I'll talk like this, I don't know, you know, but anyway, thank you for uh, listening to me in the shower, and, uh, I will try and keep you more awake in the future, um, Tony P says, Andrew, any possibility of Wallstrom returning this season for an extended look? Thanks. Happy holidays to you and your ladies. And Tony, the same to you and your family. Uh, Tony is a, is a longtime friend and a uh, former colleague of mine when we both worked uh, at the Westchester and Rockland papers, uh, the Journal News. Uh, Tony and I covered high school wrestling together for a long, long time, developed a really tight bond. Uh, Tony, do miss hanging out with you, and, uh, you know, thanks for the question. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, there is a possibility of Wallstrom returning this season for an extended look. And As Barry keeps saying, the players dictate what happens, and if, you know, Wallstrom's, you know, scoring regularly and and, and shows he can play defense at the NHL level, the, the Islanders are going to give him another crack at some point. I mean, you know, that's just logical. And whether it's this season, uh, Wallstrom will, will push the issue if he, if he starts playing better, specifically defensively. Um, you know, uh, and, you know, I, I know... You know, people have been asking about, you know, he's played nine games, burning the first year on his entry-level contract. I, I really don't think the Islanders are concerned with that, not concerned with, uh, you know, Noah Dobson's first year is, is burned. Uh, I, I, I just don't think Lou Lamarillo is going to bury Oliver Wallstrom in the AHL if he thinks Oliver can help the Islanders, you know, in the NHL playoff push just to to save a season on his contract I, I just don't see that as, as a thing um let's see nyi on oln says um let's see no no actual question looking at the responses it's kind of nice to have uh real team problems with this version of the islanders just a comment yeah one comment one question um, it, it is, and, uh, you know, one of the, uh, interviews that Dennis Gorman did, uh, that we did not play on this podcast was with Josh Bailey and Dennis kind of said to Josh Bailey, is there a satisfaction with this group having these kind of results? And Josh's response was, I know exactly what you're saying. And yes, because this group has been together a long time and there was a lot of time when they were not having the results and the the positive results, uh, certainly. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it is nice to be talking about, do they need that one extra wing to, you know, push them, you know, into a, a legit cup contender or, you know, <laughs> just stuff like that. Or are, are they truly in on acquiring the top players in the NHL? It, it is fun to talk about that stuff rather than, you know, like, say, if you're on the New York Giants beat this year, you know, 
is the GM going to get fired? Is the coach going to get fired? Because, you know, Islander fans have lived through that for a long time as well. So I, I agree, NYI, on LLN. It, it is fun to have real team problems. And uh, his question after the comment was, do you have a favorite type O negative album? And I'll be honest, uh, you know, I, I've heard them. I, I do like them. Uh, Brooklyn band, uh, unfortunately, uh, I believe uh, Pete Steele was his name, um, passed away about nine, ten years ago now, so they're disbanded. I'm not the hugest fan in terms of like having their albums or something, so I'll probably give you the basic answer, but Bloody Kisses, obviously, you know, probably their most famous album. Life is Killing Me, maybe second, but... Um, yeah, yeah, a lot of fun listening to them. I should probably be more into them than I am. It, it is right in my wheelhouse. Uh, Robert Williams says, well, the Islanders just released Andrew Ladd already. He's a waste of money. Just drop him. You agree? Um, I, I, I don't think just releasing him does anything for anyone, you know, buying out the rest of the contract at this point. Maybe, you know... He's trying to play his way back, and Lou is giving him that leeway to see if the knees respond. And, you know, maybe at some point, you know, Andrew decides that he can't do it. And maybe, you know, at, at that point, you know, he retires. And, you know, that's a different kind of financial, you know, conversation we're having. So uh, right now, I, I don't think they drop him. He, he still is an asset. If he can show he can play in the NHL, and if not, you know, he can he can be a leader to some of the guys down in Bridgeport. So I'm not ready to just drop him right now. Um, Adam Sicardi says, since there now appears to be a chance Sorokin, that's the goalie Ilya Sorokin sticks in Russia, if that happens, what would the chances of a Leonard Isles reunion next summer be? And do you feel that would make sense if Sorokin re-signs with Moscow? Um be honest I, I i as much as fans i know would want to see that that would you know we're, we're presupposing that uh, uh thomas grice leaves via unrestricted free agency because he's probably going to want the same five million a year that that Semyon varlamov is getting you know he's he's on a four-year deal which is only in the first year and Look, Leonard is making $5 million a year this year, and, you know, is probably going to want longer than a, a one-year deal. Um, I I just don't see the stars aligning for that. I, I don't think so. Uh, I, I don't know if Robin, you know, after the way those contract negotiations went, where the, the offer was pulled, whether Robin, you know, looks this way again. Um uh, DG says, if the Isles believe Dobson, Noah Dobson, is a future or current top four D-man, and we all know Hickey is more than capable, is it crazy to trade one of their current top four from a position of strength to get a score? Not crazy, but maybe not likely this season, um, because I don't think the plan is to get Dobson into an everyday role. You know, I, I, I don't think they see him as that just yet. And I still think they would like to get him some time at Bridgeport at the start of next season. You know, Hickey is, you know, has shown that he can play certainly in the NHL. He's an asset in the organization. I'm not 100% Lou breaks up his top six D-men at this point. You know, I, I know everyone is, you know, slotting Dobson in for Letty and you trade Letty for a scorer. 
Um, but, you know, it, you just see how the Islanders are using Dops, and I, I don't think they're there yet where they would be comfortable that. Um, Mike Messiano says, with Barzell being punished a few times by Trotz, do you think it affects him wanting to stay here long term? Did he have any reactions after the game? I couldn't seem to find anything. Uh, mentioned this earlier. No, he didn't have any reactions, not in the room. I, I don't think that, you know, this is what would drive him away from the Islanders. I, I think it's going to be more about business and, you know, the fact that, you know, he, he, he wants to get paid and it's a matter of how hard he can push Lou and how much money he feels he can get out of the Islanders. I, I, I think Matthew Barzell really respects Barry Trotz and really likes what Barry Trotz has done for his game. And I, I think he, he likes the honesty from Barry Trotz. Uh, honestly, uh, I, I, I don't see this as a negative, um, the way Barry treats him. I don't think, you know, I don't think it sends him away from the Islanders. Um, Mike Sandler Seidler says, do you envision the Islanders to stand pat on trades this year due to the chemistry? They've got one of the tightest room locker rooms in the NHL. Maybe it shouldn't be messed with. And you know what? That was, like I said, that was pretty much loose stance at last year's, last season's trade deadline. Um, and also um during the off season for the most part that he liked the the room as it is but uh, again also going back to an earlier uh answer i i also really feel like lou is feels like he's pretty close to it with this group and you know what uh another another top six forward wing might be the missing piece at this point so uh, I really envision Lou making a deal this season. Joseph uh, DeHame says the Sound Tigers have been sitting uh, Durando lately. Why? I thought their job was developing the young talent. He's a t talented goal scorer, 15 games, five goals, one assist, zero plus minus. Why? Um, one of the things I would really like to do is a uh, Bridgeport episode, and uh, I'm trying to piece that together, but um, you know what? I... I don't between covering the home games and being on the road a lot i have not had a chance to run up to bridgeport to check in you know with them i, I tried putting out a couple of feelers didn't really get anything on that um i am not sure why I, I i did see durando had been playing well um but yes their their job is developing the young talent and i i just don't want to speculate because there's probably a good reason for it and and i'm just not uh, aware of it right now. Uh, Christopher, Christopher Vincheri says, do you think the goalie rotation will carry through all 82 games or does it change at some point in 2020? All 82 games would be a real stretch. Uh, the, the, the NHL record is 76 games. Uh, I think that was 1991 with the Rangers, uh, Beezer and Mike Richter. Um, they got to 76 games, but not a, I mean, most teams don't even get that close. Ah, I, I, I certainly don't see this going through all 82 games. It, um, you know what? I, I, I'm not even sure it goes, you know, all the way through New Year's. To be honest with you, I, I expect, I expect uh, consecutive starts, uh, you know, sooner rather than later. Uh, Flying M says, I understand the need for balance, and Ross Johnson has been all right on the first line, but do you think? 
Beauvillier, probably our best forward this year, would thrive even more next to Barzell. Picture that forecheck, thinking Barzell, uh, Beauvillier, Barzell, Everly, Lee, Nelson, Bailey, and those are certainly both viable combinations. And, and Beauvillier has played a lot with Matthew Barzell in the past, and the two of them are very tight, same age, a lot of the same interests. Um, but you know what? I, I mean, Beauvillier and, and Nelson have been really, really good together this year. And I don't think Barry Trotz is inclined to separate those two anytime soon. Um, uh, Ross Johnson probably, you know, I, I know what Barry is thinking with him. And, you know, he worked at, in Washington getting Tom Wilson eventually up on the top line. So I, I know there's the model there, but I, I do think... Anders Lee eventually winds up back with Barzell and, and quite possibly with Jordan Everly up there as well. Uh, let's see. Uh, Manny R says, which impending UFA unrestricted free agent stays? And any Josh Hosang updates, as I mentioned, in Toronto skating. All's kumbaya between him and the Islanders. Just no deal yet. Um, and if you're talking unrestricted free agents after the season... You're, you're talking Matty Martin, um, you're talking Thomas Grice, talking Derek Broussard and Tom Kuhnhockel. Of those who stays, they, they, they like brass. Would they offer him another one-year deal? I could certainly see that. We've discussed Thomas Grice. Um, I, I think at $5 million a year, it's going to be tough paying both him and Varlamov uh, within the salary cap structure, um, particularly if the salary cap doesn't go up by a huge deal, so I'm not quite sure Thomas Grice stays after this season. Tom Kuhnhackel, I mean, do they throw another 850000 at him? It's possible. Um, that'll be a later decision. And then uh, Matty Martin might be the toughest call because, you know, they love that fourth line, but you know, uh, do, do they see duplication with Ross Johnson? And they might so I don't think Matty Martin is any guarantee to come back. And if it is, certainly probably only on a one-year deal, maybe two years. Let's see. Um, uh, Michael Pelmont uh, says, what's the downside of a cheap flyer on Ilya Kovalchuk? John Reich says, do you think Lou will go after Kovalchuk if he's cheap after contract termination? Um, regarding Ilya Kovalchuk, obviously everyone connects Ilya to Lou because, you know, Lou acquired him from the Atlanta Thrashers for, uh, um, for the Devils. And, and then Lou wound up signing him to a, a 15 year, a hundred million dollar contract. I mean, a second attempt after, you know, the first one was voided by the league and, you know, we all know how that worked out with Ilya, you know, basically deciding he wanted to go back to uh, Russia. And now the Los Angeles Kings, after Kovalchuk comes back to the NHL, after I think it was five years back home in Russia, all this, you know, the Kings signed him to, a, it was a three-year, 18 million-plus deal. I think he's getting 6'4", six, 6'5", six, uh, on, on the cap hit. Uh, I thought it was a crazy contract to begin with. I, I don't trust Ilya Kovalchuk as, as an NHL player anymore. I just don't. I mean, if he couldn't play for the Kings, who, are, you know, are just not a great team. Um, 
you know, Ilya is going to want to play in a top six role and he's going to want to play, you know, top six minutes. And I, I, I got to be honest, I'm not sure how committed he would be, you know, to the defensive system or the, the, the you know, the way Barry coaches. I don't know that that's a fit and I, I don't know how much scoring Ilya Kovalchuk brings anymore. So, uh, he's going to be cheap because he's unconditionally released and, you know, he's still on the Kings, uh, you know, costs against the Kings for next year, even though he's not paying, walked away from 4 million. He's made a ton of money. Um, I just, I gotta be honest. I, I don't see him helping this team, even though, you know, five years ago he would have been, yeah, yeah. You can get him in there because he's a sniper, but now, I, with, with with the way the Islanders play, I, I don't know if that's a fit. Um, Thomas Boyle says, uh, how far do you see the Islanders going in the playoffs? Well, I would say, and, and it's going to be tough, you know, if, say, they're the two seed in the East, in the, in the Metro, because you're going to be, you know, you got the Capitals, and that's probably a second-round matchup, you would think, right? Um, and getting past the Capitals is going to be tough. But that being said, uh, with, with, with what the Islanders did last season, I, I think, you know, certainly if they don't get to the conference final, you're probably looking at the season as a disappointment because they did exactly what they did last season. And I, I think this team should be thinking, you know, certainly conference final, and from there anything happens. Boston's going to be really... A really tough out in the playoffs. Um, I think they're a cup contender, you know, and, and I think certainly if they add something, they're they're even more of a cup contender. But but you know, the playoffs are tough. It's who's got the hot goalie. You saw that with the you know the Blue Jackets and the and the Lightning last season. Anything can happen. But uh, I would I would certainly think if the Islanders don't get to the conference final, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of disappointment uh, around the team. Matt says, with the Taylor Hall sweepstakes in full effect, and he gets traded to the Coyotes, so the sweepstakes are over. Uh, the effect of the potential free agents in the offseason, who would best fit the Islanders' culture? And that's, that's a great way to look at it, because that's how Lou and Barry are going to be looking at it. You know what? I, I, I can't give you I can't give you a responsible answer. You know, uh, there are a lot of unrestricted free agents. I, I just don't know well enough to tell you how they would fit in. But what I, I, I wanted to bring that question up because I, I think it's a very smart question because that that's exactly what Lou and, and Barry are going to be looking for. Um, Mystery Tramp says, has Ross Johnson shown enough to warrant an everyday spot in the lineup? I think he has, and he should be a regular. For now, yeah. I mean, they really like him. And you, you see the, the time on ice. I mean, you know, even playing on the top line, sometimes he's 10 minutes and under. Um, you know, he's not playing power player or penalty kill or anything like that. Um, he is a developing player. He's still only 25. It seems like he's been around for a long time. He's, he's still 25. You still call him a young player. And I think he's got a lot more to show. And I think... Barry Trotz is absolutely the perfect coach for this guy. And, and I'm really, you know, I, I like Ross a lot as a person. I, you know, I'm not shy about saying that. And, you know, I, I think everyone should be rooting for this guy. I mean, he's 
he's always there for his teammates. He's just he's just a really good dude, and it's good to see him having success. Uh, Michael Justiano says, you think Lou is holding on to some of these fringe players to so uh, come Seattle, the expansion draft, draft time, he won't lose any of his key players. Well, he's not going to be able to protect everyone, but yeah, uh, there is a lot of, you know, not just Lou, there is a lot of jockeying and a lot of planning ahead to the expansion draft right now. And, uh, you know, you, you, you get some players that you know you're not going to protect. So, you know, maybe you can protect another one, but it's still a squeeze. You can't protect enough. Uh, Moscow says, has anyone seen or heard from Garth Snow or Dougie Waite? Uh, no, not been around the offices. Um, let's see. Island Fan 41 says, do you think they acquire a third line center via trade at any point this year? I, I think they're more likely to acquire a, a wing. Um, Tier 1 Media says, as good as the record is obvious, uh, Islanders have another level they can achieve. They need forward. Uh, well, this was submitted before Hall was traded. Uh, if they get Hall, I believe it will be in the summer, and I don't see that either because they they need to allocate money elsewhere, and, you know, Taylor is going to ask a lot of money. He's in his age 28 season, and he's going to ask for seven, probably seven over 70, think something like that, and if he can get more, he will. Um, they need first or second line with or would really good third line enable top two lines to perform more consistently by taking pressure off Adam Lowry? All good points. Yeah, it's, you know, Barry wants to roll four lines. So, you know, if that third line, and the third line right now is really good. Um, it's really that second line wing that you're, you're, you're trying to, the Michael Dow call spot that you're trying to figure out who goes there. Um, let's see. Soup Nazi 1776 says, with new contracts expected next season for Barzell, Taze, Pulak, and Sorokin, what are your expectations for adding a goal scorer? In-house Wallstrom or more likely moving Letty or Mayfield, insert Dobson to add possibly Ehlers or the like? All possibilities, yeah. Um, the the new contracts are going to put the Islanders in a bit of a squeeze because, as, as I mentioned, I think, you know, Matt Barzell certainly looked at that Mitch Marner contract and, you know, his eyes got wide. And, you know, Ryan Pulak is a top-pair defenseman. They go for around $6 million a year. And, you know, Taze is probably in the $4.5, 5000000 million range. Um, and whatever it costs to get Sorokin over, yeah. I mean, the Islanders are going to be counting the beans pretty hard. Um, the best, the best answer is for them to, to do to do something in house like a Wallstrom, or, as you mentioned, moving Letty or Mayfield. And you know, Letty makes more sense because that's a bigger contract, and and I think that's going to play a big part of how how Lou operates is, is balancing the budget. And if he can move a, a bigger number like a Letty, I, I think he might have to do that. Um, and then we'll finish off the Q and a with something, an in-house question. <laughs> I love this one. This is from a uh, Newsday columnist and, uh, uh, I've had him on as a guest on, uh, Island ice trying to get him back on. Cause he's always fun to talk to. Um, Neil Best uh, at Sportswatch says, 
What is Thomas Grice really like? We get so little from him in his formal interviews. Is he a more interesting person than he seems to be? And Neil, yeah, no, he's, you know what, he is so, he is fun to talk to when the, when you don't have a microphone in his face. Now, obviously, he speaks with, with kind of a thick German accent, um, and, and English is not his first language, so he's he's always a little you know, careful about not wanting to say the wrong thing in, in not his native tongue. You know? And also, you know, Thomas is a real team first guy and, and he doesn't ever, when, when you talk, ask questions about him, he doesn't want it to be misconstrued as he's putting himself above everyone else. So uh, he, he deflects really well, and he's learned to be very boring in English. You know, I, I got lucky. Oh, the team played well in front of me. You know, one, two-sentence answers. But when the microphone isn't on and you're just sitting there talking to him, he's got a, a wonderful sense of humor. He is very self-depreciating. He's very funny. He always gets me when, uh, you know, I, I'll go up to him and I'll say, hey, can I ask you a couple of questions? And he goes, okay, just two? And then... Uh, and then when I invariably get to my third or fourth fourth question, he starts saying, oh, I'm going to start charging you now, <laughs> you know, um, little stuff like that. I, I've, he's a, he's a very caring, very giving guy. I think he's got a big personality. I, I really do. I, I just think he's learned to, to make sure it doesn't shine through, which is, you know, sometimes it's frustrating as a sports writer because you really do need the goalie to talk sometimes you know if he pitches a like he did in the playoffs you know a 40 plus save shutout or you know just have a tremendous performance you need something more in your game story than a goalie who goes ah, i got lucky team played well you know you want someone to expand on that and that's why you know covering the rangers henrik lundquist was just amazing to be around because he you know uh, kind of a quote machine, um, you know, uh, analytical and, and, and was not uncomfortable with the talking process. But uh, I, I, I like Thomas Grice a lot as a person. Uh, like I said, I, I think he's got, he's got a big personality that he just does not show publicly. And uh, well, that was an incredibly long Q&A. Thank you so much for, uh, for everyone uh, submitting questions and we'll be back right after this enter for a chance to watch the new york islanders hit the ice with a complete vip experience the grand prize includes a private luxury suite for 16 guests a jersey signed by the islanders and a thousand dollars for food and drinks enter by sunday december 29 2019 at newsday.com vip going to end the show uh this episode of island ice with the chat i had with uh, my newsday teammate julia el baba who uh does a lot of social media stuff uh also covers high schools for the uh for newsday and is also a uh, professional tennis player from oyster bay uh she came out to the islander game on saturday first chance uh we got to work together and I just found it interesting to sit down with her and chat with her about you know her observations of the Islanders and uh, you know how she integrated some of the uh, social media uh, coverage of the uh, of the game into what she's doing so here's my chat with Julia and I hope you enjoy I, I'm talking to Julia today she came out and she's really adept at social media 
um, and is you know building a, a media career, multimedia career, because uh, it's more than newspapers and writing these days. And she was at the Coliseum today, uh, talking to fans and in the dressing room, shooting different things, putting stuff up on Instagram. And Julia is also a, a professional tennis player from Oyster Bay. So I, I really wanted to get Julia's impressions of you know the atmosphere here at the Coliseum and what she found around. The, uh, the Coliseum is the Islanders win 3-2 over the Sabres in the Saturday matinee. Yeah, so obviously we had some pretty terrible weather outside. <laughs> it's been a rainy, gloomy day, so I didn't know what to expect on the tailgate front, but I was happy to see that I had, you know, five or six groups to chat with. Today's also SantaCon, so you have a lot of... You know, young people running around in Santa outfits. And it was uh, Star Wars Day, too. Yeah, Yeah. so we've got a lot of different themes going on right now. So, And you could tell the Coliseum was pretty electric today. I thought the energy was awesome. And we even had, like, a marriage proposal. So there were a bunch of things going on, and the game was awesome. And I just really enjoyed talking to different people. And You talked about the marriage pr proposal, and Neil kind of nudged me. And that was, that was on the kiss cam. And and uh, I think it was the third entry, and they, you know, they dutifully kissed, and then the camera lingered on him, and the guy got on his knees, and the girl cried, and you know, everything was wonderful. And you, uh, you ran down into the stands. What, uh, <laughs> what was that like? So I feel like when I. Cover, cover different games I want to make each one a little bit different from the other and when I saw this happen I was like oh my gosh this does not happen all the time so when I saw this couple get engaged I tried to find them you know, there's a lot of people around so finding them wasn't the easiest but I ran up there and said you know when we have like intermission can I talk to you guys for Newsday and when people hear Newsday they're like yeah like get me on there I'd love that and so you know they were just so happy to finally be able to get married they said they were each other's best friends and that the next step you know would be planning a wedding and they were so excited and both the the man and the woman were crying and just tears of joy really <laughs> we talked to the players about the preparation and the meetings and they go through can you when you're watching or when you were watching the game obviously there's some set plays there are some freeform plays can you can you get an appreciation of the prep that goes into it because i know you know all the prep you have to go through just to get ready for a match. A hundred percent. You really feel for each player and for the coach. You, Because of my own experience, I kind of understand what they're feeling and going through. If they have a high moment, you kind of feel and understand those emotions. And if there's a low moment, you, you just there's like a different level and intensity of each emotion that you witness and see. So what was, uh, what was your favorite thing today? We, we talked about the marriage proposal. We talked about you walking around the parking lot getting soaked in the rain. But, you know, taking in this experience at the Coliseum, what, what really stood out for you? Oh, wow. There was so many highs today and new things that I hadn't experienced before this. Obviously, being around you and Neil, I learned a lot. And I'm also learning a lot about the hockey language. It's so, like, important and interesting that every single sport has a different language and 
I have to say, like, the coolest part was going into the locker room at the end of the day, at the end of the game, and just speaking with the players. You can really even see Bo, his heart was racing. He was, like, almost, like, shaking at the end of the game. Even though they had won, He, you could still, f like, feel that tenseness in him. And it, it was just very, very neat. And I could relate to that because there were some tennis matches, you know, I'd be changing my clothes after the match, and I'd still be, like, you know, tennis is an individual sport. You talk to yourself. I would still be talking to myself after the match. I'd be like, Julia, the match is over. Why are you still talking to yourself? <laughs> and as an athlete, you, you know the importance of coaching, right? I, I mean, coaching, you know, sometimes uh, the athlete obviously has the talent, but it has to be directed in a certain way. And good coaching can push a person one way and bad coaching can push a person the other way. What were your, you, you were around Barry Trotz twice, before the game, after the game. You heard him speak. You heard how honest he was about Matthew Barzell. What, what were your impressions of Barry Trotz? I think he has that tough love uh, mentality, which I really appreciate. I never wanted a coach growing up that was just going to sugarcoat everything. For me, the most important thing in my growing and success succeeding was to get the like the honest and like the true opinions each and every day that's the only way you can get better and I really liked what he said that which player was it that was it Bo that yeah. he didn't perform necessarily that well last year but yeah. he just left him out there and wanted him to grow around the other great players and that's really what you know has helped him right now and so I really appreciate that. I think he's a great coach. I think you got to speak to uh, Ryan Pulak, and you you were in on on a, a few player scrums, and and just what was your impressions of how these guys who've just you know played sixty almost sixty four minutes on the ice, you know hard checks, you know tough game. How did you think they were able to turn it around and, and, and sort of, uh, for lack of a better word, become human beings again and able to relate to other people? <laughs> exactly, yeah. So for me, I always loved media when I was in college, so we would have matches and then have to turn around and like talk to the media, and I really liked it, but that's because I'm really passionate about media. I always wondered what a non-passionate media person would <laughs> how they would feel after playing a tough game I mean today's game is as close as it gets obviously going to OT you know I thought they spoke very well you know they gave great answers and like I said earlier Bo like he looked very like still shook after the game out of breath I'm glad he has time tonight to get a good night's rest <laughs> and, and and Bo did mention that you know he's not normally like this after a game he's able to recover a little bit quicker uh, he, he wasn't sure obviously it was a very hard last shift that he went through and he, he was wondering maybe it was a, an afternoon game but uh, you know he's usually not that amped up and and you know it, it was almost like he was hyperventilating it, it looked like it did seem like that but he also mentioned that he thought that the crowd out here was you know a little more electric than usual it, we did have a good showing out here would you think i mean you mentioned that would you think of the physicality of the sport i mean you were down close to the glass i mean you can hear the hits <laughs> oh i mean 
are you talking about the time I almost got like killed? <laughs> I was leaning, <laughs> leaning up against the glass at one point. I was staring at the marriage proposal going down behind me. I had my phone up against the glass. I'm not even kidding. I my phone screen. I'm surprised it's not shattered right now. But I got slammed by a player on the Sabers team. And so okay, so. That regard, it was physical, but yes, man, they, they, they have to be sore right now. There's no way they're not. Yeah, no, they, they say that no player is 100% healthy at any point during the season. It's, I mean, and, and you know this, you play through injuries, you play, but sometimes the mental part is, uh, is the toughest part to, to, to get through it. 100%. Well, listen, Julia, it was a pleasure working with you today. It was a pleasure speaking with you today, and I hope we get to do this again. So thank you to Julia Elbaba for some of her insights on the Islanders and life at the Coliseum. Thank you to Dennis Gorman for interviews with Matthew Barzell and Thomas Grice. And thank you for listening. I, I'm your host, Andrew Gross. You can find me on Twitter at A Gross Newsday. Um, you can find my work on uh, the Newsday website, newsday.com backslash sports. And there's an Islanders page, and you can also find this podcast uh, wherever podcasts are uh, to be found. That's uh, Apple Play, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, and on the Newsday website. So, once again, thank you very much for listening to Island Ice. Happy holidays and happy hockey.